0: Good morning our scripture reading is from Luke chapter 12 verses 15 through 21 then Jesus said to them watch out be on your guard against all kinds of greed life does not consist in an abundance of possessions and he told them this parable the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest he thought to himself what shall I do This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we uh,
1: want to give you praise and thanks, Lord, that you are the giver of all good gifts, Lord. Thank you for the word of God which guides us, leads us, is a path before us. And I pray, Lord, that... Uh, you have your hand upon us as we discuss this topic, Lord. I know a tricky topic, and a tough one. But Lord, have your hand upon it and speak to our hearts in that way that we need to be spoken to. In Jesus' name, Amen. So when we um, we like to always address the issue of stewardship, you know, if it's this time of year or to come back to it again and again on uh, certain points. You know i don't do you ever um, have those conversations like or i don't know if it's like talking to a financial advisor or reading stuff about how to be responsible financially as you look forward you know and they, they say things like you know you need to save for retirement you need to put away money for your children's education you need to uh you know get life insurance and then you might not die so you need to get like extended care insurance <laughs> and You know if you don't have um you know and if you don't have a house you gotta you know you you want to save for a house as well then you go okay so i got money for my house i got my life insurance i got my extended care insurance i got my accounts for my kids education i got retirement Uh, i'm all set now right (laughs) well you know you don't know what can happen you know i'm thinking you know you you can't really be sure you know i mean really what you need you know you, you look at all this stuff and you hear all the advice and what you really need is a giant windfall of cash. You know, then, you know, I get all that thing and then I can finally go, ah, oh, now I'm all set, right? Now, maybe you're somebody here who, I see there's a number of nods of people who resonate with this idea. There's probably a bunch of people here who think, I, I'm not sure I even resonate with that. Do people actually think like that? And, and yes, they do. Um, but let me tell you, the fact that you haven't thought about that, or maybe this is not something you identify with, it's probably because you haven't experienced a ton of prosperity. You know, you don't have all this stuff to deal with. And that's actually a blessing. You know, C.S. Lewis said, um, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels like he's finding his place in it when really it's finding its place in him. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he's finding his place in it when really it's finding its place in him. You know, prosperity is actually quite perilous. Um, and the scriptures would say it. Our, script, our, uh, our text today is actually a pretty scary text. You know, and I got to admit, I, I was pretty shaken by it. You know, some, and that's why I also felt like Laura was saying, we need to talk about this thing here because I was feeling so shaken by it. And it's supposed to shake you. You know, it's intentionally jarring. You know, it's meant to disturb, and it is disturbing. So I want to talk firstly about, um, you know, the warning given. It's really a passage of warning. You know, what is Jesus warning us about? And then secondly, from that, initially, the warning in this passage, it can be a little confusing because you're thinking, what's the big deal? Because the parable he sets up is not actually seems so bad. What's the real problem here? And what is the parable showing is the problem? And lastly, what's the solution to address it? So really, the, the warning, the problem, and the solution to prosperity. So, first, the warning. Um, to, get, uh, to put it in context, we're in a big teaching passage in Luke, which parallels much of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. A lot of the same kind of teachings. It's a long teaching section. And in the midst of this teaching, it says, um, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And it's not so unusual, by the way, that a religious you know, leader might be, you know, they might ask, hey, you know, can you advocate in this situation? That's not, a, that wouldn't be an unheard of kind of thing. Probably this is the younger brother, you know, asking, you know, hey, intercede with my older brother, because remember the older brother would get the, would get the double portion. And his idea is to keep the estate together. Right, and the younger brothers, you know, you can imagine they would say, no, we need to keep our family estate together. And he's saying, no, give me my portion. And and he's saying, no, you advocate in the midst of this. And to understand this, too, is you need to get yourself out of the sort of modern Western mindset, which is social mobility. You know, we always think in terms of we can, everyone can make money if they want to make money, and everyone can become rich, you know, we can change our classes. This is a very modern idea. Generally, in the history of the world, most everywhere, you're stuck where you're born. most part i mean there's variances if you have money you got it from your parents you inherit it wealth traveled down you know and so here he's trying to keep the family wealth together right so it's not not an outrageous kind of statement but look what jesus does (laughs) is jesus answers the question pretty harshly he says lord man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you you know, it's like, whoa, what do what, what you, what, I, I'm, I'm the one who's going to be judging this matter? Now, it's probably helpful to realize the context with which this came out, right? I mean, I don't want to do the whole Sermon on the Mount in Luke, but just to give you a taste of the kind of thing Jesus is talking about that this interrupted. Um, you know, Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you're worth more than those sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. Teacher, tell me, my, tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me. It's kind of like, whoa, what do you, doing? I mean, that's not the exact thing coming, up, but this is the kind of thing he's talking about, the kingdom of God, i talking about a whole new way to view the world, and his mind is thinking, my inheritance, let's see what's going on with that thing, and he breaks in on that. And then Jesus' response, you know, after he says, to who appointed me, judge or arbiter, and then he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he's going to tell a parable. Now, I think you all know that every time there is a parable, the key to interpreting the parable off the bat, the first thing you should always identify is what question is being asked that the parable is responding to. Right? It's always illustrating something, and usually it's right at the front of your parable. If you haven't identified what the parable is answering, you haven't began your interpretation method. Here is what the parable is illustrating. Watch out, be on guard of all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And then he tells them a parable. And the parables, you know, he says the ground of a certain rich man, so it's a rich man, yielded an abundant harvest. So a huge harvest came in for a rich guy. And he says to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'm gonna tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus gain, grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for your many years, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. It's eminently reasonable, isn't it? I mean, honestly, anybody here gets a giant windfall, right? It could be, you know, maybe you got some stock options or inheritance or whatever it is, but some big clump comes to you for whatever reason. What's the first thing you think? What do I do with it? How should I invest it? How do I keep this thing because this is going to theirs? This is to secure my kids' college this and all these things are going to be laid out. I mean, it's, it's a reasonable thing, right? This doesn't seem so outrageous. What do I do with all this surplus grain? I'm just going to build some other stuff and store it there, and then I'll be in good shape for the future. And Jesus' response to that uh, reasonable financial planning, you fool. <laughs> it's harsh, actually, isn't it? God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepare for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. You uncomfortable? I'm uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable passage. It's a very harsh warning. And one of the things that's tricky as you look at this warning and this parable is that it does seem like, w- why is it so bad what he did? I mean, I think we kind of got it, but what is so what is so condemning about that? What's the real problems? And I think implied in that parable, if you look a little carefully, more carefully, you'll see there's, I think there's three, at least three, but three particular problems which are identified, which show why this is so problematic. Um, The first one is there's an implication that um, the stuff is his. That this is really his decision. He's the ownership. And we know in the scripture, very clear theology of stuff is stuff is God's. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. We are God's. This is God's world, God's stuff, God's place. You don't possess anything. And you fool if you do, because watch, you die, and what did you do with all your possessions where'd all your possessions were you able to take it with you? No, it's not yours. It was never yours. If you think it's all yours, it's an illusion. Right? And there's this, and what you see in this text when you look carefully is do you see how many times a first person is used in that little parable? You know, the ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant, he thinks to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He says, this is what I do. I will tear down my barns, build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus grain, and then I'll say to myself, this this is mine. This is my stuff. I have it. I possess it. But you don't, and you don't possess it. So one of the biggest problems of this text is, is a, there's a real misunderstanding as to whose grain this is, whose stuff it is. It is God's, it's not yours. You've been entrusted with it, you are a steward of it. You know, and then again, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're supposed to get rid of it all, but there's a profound idea that you start with the idea that, have you know, anybody with wealth or prosperity starts with the idea that this is God's and I've been entrusted with this. Um, And so, uh, and what's implied in this too, is what did he then decide to do with his grain? So the first problem is a misunderstanding as to whose it is. The second problem leads from it is, therefore he had to decide what do I do with it? And what did he do? It says, "What's, what's the condemnation there? You fool this very night, your life will be an end of you. And he says, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So he took this enormous blessing from God this abundant harvest which God has given, and he immediately thought, "What I'm going to do is I am going to store it up for me. I'm going to store up for my future. My, you know, and it's all me stuff." Now, if you look in um, in Proverbs, I'm just in one little section of it. Proverbs is a lot. How community is supposed to work. A lot of it's a, you understand Proverbs almost in community aspect, how community behaves together, and really in Proverbs' the idea is that you know somebody gets a huge giant harvest, the whole community should be blessed by that. And he says, like, it says in Proverbs, I'm just going to get go a little bit. He goes, You know, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. This is what you see happen in community. A generous man will prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And look at this people curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. It's interesting too, right? It doesn't mean give it all away, right? There's, there's, there's an implied fine with business, you know? <laughs> and to, but what the person sees is the person who's hoarding it. What did this guy do with this whole grain for his community? The rich man, right? The person who has wealth has a responsibility to the communities, he's in. You know, it's part of the people, you know, they would, they would care for their community, they would look for it. That's what you're supposed to, it's the natural idea, There's there was a stewardship of the one with wealth. You know, you think about like even the book of Luke, and uh, Acts, right, that, you know, Theophilus, you know, because he's probably the person who paid for Paul <laughs> to write this, they were paid for Luke to do all the research and all that kind of stuff. It was expected that people with wealth would use it for the blessing of the community. He gets this huge windfall of grain and he sticks it away. And all he's thinking creatively is how can I best store this up for me? And that led from the first bad idea, right? And so none of the community, he's being cursed by his own community. Because he's just hoarding that to try to get it for profit and for self-preservation rather than the community. And so lastly, I mean, as you look to it, they all kind of fit from one another. He thinks it's his, he stores it up for himself. And then there's this idea that it's actually destroying him spiritually. Because what's it doing to his trust in God? He says, you know, uh, again, the context of this, what happens directly after this passage Is words you know better from Matthew, but you know them familiarly. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, you know, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they don't sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable uh, you are than birds. The idea that you can trust God, you can walk with them, you can guide them. Remember the whole thing in the wilderness was God was teaching them, you know, by manna and other things like that, to understand that you only need a little bit. You know, what does the Lord's Prayer say? Give me my daily bread. We live in dependence upon him. Does this guy want his daily bread from God? No, no, what's he he saying to himself? I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. This man can no longer say the Lord's Prayer. You know, I mean, it's a, you know, it's the dependence is gone. And by the way, that the text here, the Greek is actually kind of fun. They, the NIV, it's accurate, but it misses an emphasis where it says, I say to myself, it's actually saying, and I'll say to my soul, soul. And then it says the next thing, soul, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, take like easy, you know, eat, drink and be merry. He's speaking to his own soul and telling his soul, take comfort. Now you have enough cash. You're all set. And he's saying, then he goes, But God said to him, You fool. You think you're all set. You are not set. Life does not consist in a bunch of possessions, things are not fixed like this. Your whole dependence and your relationship with God, knowing whose it is, has been, you know, is being destroyed by this. There is no trust, there is no walk with him. He may sit in church or his synagogue, worship and do whatever, but there's, some, there's an intimate separation from God. He's not walking in trust and dependence upon God. So if that's the problem, you know, essentially, and what's so what the reason for the condemnation, what's the solution? You know, what can we do about it? So what's the passage's advice for prosperity? And I think it actually fits very much in tune with those problems. And in some ways, the flip side of those problems. Um, you guys are all so quiet, you know? I don't know why no one falls asleep during money sermons. You know, everyone's just like, <laughs> it's, it's, I know, a prosperity sermon works so well, like in our socioeconomic class of our demographics of our. And, and by the way, as I, I, I've told everybody this, this has been radically condemning for myself. So I'm not up here just saying, I'm saying this as someone who's also being prophetically spoken to in many ways, it's speaking to me. So I just, you know, I'd love if I could say I got this one together <laughs> or don't. Um, number one from this is, you know, it says it a couple times in a passage, remember life is not possessions, life is not stuff. You know, but the, as he said, you know, life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. This is just reality. What it becomes like when you obsess on things of possessions, of food, of clothing, and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of like if you had a car and your main stress was getting gas and making sure the car had gas. Because you would be right in saying that unless you have gas, a car can't run, right? You can't go anywhere without gas. That's 100% true. So therefore, the essence of a car... Is having gas and you need to be focused on gas and having that car always full of gas in fact just buy the car fill it with gas and sit it in front of your house and rest and go man that's great it's so good having a car you know you go it gets foolish right because the gas has nothing to do with the purpose of the car it's not why you have a car yet it needs it in the same way food clothing possessions help you live your life. And you need food, you need clothing, but it's not life. And it's a foolish thing to focus on it. You're like, what's our purpose? Yeah, she, she was quoting the Westminster Confession, all right? She says, what is the purpose of man? Purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of you know, we got, life is a gift from God to be lived here, you know, joyfully before him to glorify his name. It's not to, like, try to get the stuff which he's given you to be able to do your mission in life. Don't focus on that. And when you do, what happens is, you know, you've, you, you, you lose the picture of what it's for. You lose what life's about. You've taken your eyes off it. And it's a temptation. I mean, I love what Paul said in 1 Timothy says, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world. We could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So says, basically trying to get rich, what do you do? You hurt yourself. <laughs> you end up doing a lot of dumb things that harm yourself. You know, just money is just, it's dangerous stuff. Prosperity is dangerous. So lesson number one, right? Remember, life is not possessions. Life is not stuff. Number two. Oops, I don't have number two. What did I do? Did I listen? There it is. I'm sorry. Life is not stuff, all right? So, number two, be generous. You know, generosity is what actually can be very helpful to keeping number one in track. How do I keep on remembering that life is a thing? Generosity. And it's how God made us, as Frank said, right? We are generous, God is generous to us. We're supposed to be these like, it's like sort of water flows from God, it flows into us, it flows out. And God's glorified in that process. You know, when you become grabbing, I think I used that analogy even yesterday, it's like like the Dead Sea. You know, water's down, you keep it like that, and it dies. You are to go, and that's what God wants to do. It's amazing. You always think that, wouldn't it be great if God just gave stuff to people? But he doesn't. It passes through our hands. And in doing that, every time you're generous, there's a confession of faith in the midst of it. There's a reality that you've understood about who God is, how he works, who's my pose- who my possessions truly are. Generosity is one of the most spiritually healthy things you can do. And it's not something you do like, er, right? You do it joyfully. I mean, I love one of the best, one of the best prayers of, in the whole Bible. And the most praiseworthy prayers is from 1 um, Chronicles 29. And there, they just took a giant offering. Right? David's making this huge offering for the building of the temple that he's going to put in place, setting the things for Solomon, and it was uh, mind-boggling. I think the largest, it very well may be the largest offering ever. I wonder if you did it like according to time. And David in his prayer just goes, Who am I, O Lord? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. We have given you only what comes from your hand. So he's like, how can we be so excited about being generous when all we did was give back to you what you've given to us anyway? But then he goes, ah, but I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things we have given willingly with honest intent, and now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. He's going, this is so great, God. You love it that we've actually shown you that we know who gave this stuff. That, you know, I put it in your hands. It's almost a temptation to keep it by, by you going like this with it. You've shown that you know who this comes from. You know what this is for. You've laid up your treasure in heaven, not on earth, which, by the way, is the parallel to this in the Sermon on the Mount. That only you lay up yourself treasure. He goes, I know where my ultimate treasure is. I know where my ultimate life is. These possessions are not, it's just gas. And I've taken some gas and used it for here. It's not my life. And I showed that through my generosity and care for it. I honored God through it. Advice for prosperity is stay generous. Be generous. You'll be way better off as a generous person. It keeps you in mind with that thing. Remember, life is not possessions. And lastly, only trust the Lord. This is one of the huge things, right? Is that when the with possessions are perilous, When it comes to trusting god right we all like the idea of trusting god we don't like the practice nearly as much you know and you know it's kind of hard when he says you know the israelites i let them be hungry i let them be thirsty so that they would learn this like actually hardship and difficulty show us who's actually providing for us i mean i don't want to i hope you don't mind bringing up the this isn't part of my sermon but i thought you know in some ways the gift of anders and caroline not being able to have a child when we prayed for them they were given a child now any all four that children was a gift to all four of those families but one of them got to see intimately without doubt <laughs> that that child was laid like that but really that's what all of life is that's what all children are and god sometimes has to you know in some way it's a blessing you know, in some ways when we had no money or somebody at church, it was a blessing to go, wow, God does provide. Because the blessing is to be able to walk with God and trust. And, you know, and that's one of the things that he helps. Like, um, he says, what will we do for people with prosperity? And uh, Paul says, well, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The idea there's the real life, there's the true thing going on. Be generous, be rich in good deeds. Don't hope in that stuff. Again, it's not anti-wealth, right? Sometimes we, this whole sermon, you think, oh, it's bad to think about the future, bad to say, not, that's not what we're saying here, right? You know, the, it's okay for people, but they realize, you know, the wealth is a, is a stewardship from God that's been entrusted to you. Like I said, business is not bad. It's not bad to make money. It's not like you're trying to throw everything out, but there's a real sense of whose possessions are these? What is truly life? Being generous, open-handed, a generous person in the midst of community is a blessing to the whole community. You know, it is such, it's a powerful, that's a wonderful stewardship and a way to bless, but do they see their wealth, and do you see your wealth as a, as a pathway to blessing? God, how might you use these things you've entrusted to us? Because it can be an incredible joy, a joy of generosity, a joy of blessing, because you're trusting God in the midst of him, watching how God works. So, as I've uh, been chewing on this one, I thought, <laughs> I thought, I hope you're not like the first guy who stood up and said that, I've been having this whole talk about this, and you go, is Garrett gonna, can, can, you, can you make sure, can you go talk to my brother and see if he'll share his inheritance with me? <laughs> you know, because it's somewhat like in the midst of a talk on that, it's so easy for your mind just to go off there, isn't it? But prosperity is a temptation. It's not an evil, right? It's not bad. It can be a blessing from God. That abundant harvest was not a bad thing. It was a blessing. That was my own phone. What a curse. Probably God telling me, practice what you preach, buddy. (laughs) Life is not possessions. Cultivate generosity. Only trust in the Lord.